So while I was listening to the morning show today, I, I heard them play the pro football focus thing. And that's yeah, funny, man. Different media outlets get a bad rap, right? Like uh, radio stations, sports talk stations. If, if we take something out of context, we get hammered for it. Or if we disagree with something that an organization, we get hammered for it on social media. And yet there are just random dudes on social media that are taking that are that are clearly taking something out of context to make somebody look bad and and because it fulfills a narrative that national media hates your fan or you hates your team we run with it the Steve Palazzolo thing where somebody some dude on social media took like a 15 second or 20 second excerpt of what uh Steve Palazzolo had to say about the Browns cap situation and they cut it in such a way that it looked like he was actually talking about the Browns potentially cutting David and Joku. Have you actually listened to the full clip? And and kudos to Keith for pointing this out. If you listen to the full, that's not what happened. They were talking about the Browns. They're talking about every team in the NFL and their their cap situations. And so, so for Steve Palazzolo, who spent the last forty eight hours digging out of an avalanche of angry Cleveland fans who are accusing him of saying that he should cut or that he is saying the Browns should cut David Njoku. But the morning show today, JP and AB, they actually played the sound, and then they, they got into a really interesting conversation about David Njoku and his success this year that I think is, I'm not concerned, but I am intrigued. And here's what they had to say about David Njoku and his success. Did he turn a corner, or was it all Joe Flacco? That's the question I would ask around around David and Joku. Because oh, if you I think look he at the early part, I don't think season, it mattered. Who, I'm just yeah. saying, I'm talking about the the high production that he had because he had that it's your second the, leading receiver. The, right. the 77 yard game that he had against Seattle that was PJ Walker that he had that with, right? Yes. Outside of that game, if you take Joe Flacco out of the equation, he didn't have a 60 plus yard receiving game the entire year. So like, he didn't have that with, with Deshaun Watson. That would be the only hiccup I would have here. I love Njoku. Maybe Flacco is the reason why Njoku was able to turn a corner, and maybe now he'll just never look back because he built up a lot of confidence within that. I'm not sure, but I, I do wonder. I think the point is valid that a lot of the most consistent production of David Njoku, Elijah Moore, and Amari Cooper happened once Joe Flacco took over. I will also say their production with Deshaun Watson was not bad. But the the worst production for all three of those guys came in the middle of the season when your quarterbacks were P.J. Walker and DTR. So I think some of the painting of like, well, they were just better with Joe Flacco. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think the dips for your wide receivers and tight end production came because of the quarterback play in the middle of the season. That I don't, I don't subscribe to, well, they were better with Deshaun or they're better with Joe Flacco. But I do think... I, I I think when it comes to David Njoku, I think it's fair to say that was his best season by a wide margin. And I think it's fair to ask, given when it came, which is he was most consistent with Joe Flacco down the stretch, whether you think he can duplicate his 882-yard performance with six touchdowns. Because I think it's a miracle that Amari Cooper got to 1,200 yards with four, five different quarterbacks. I think it's a miracle David Njoku got to 81 receptions and almost 900 yards and six tutties in 16 games with, uh, at that point, four different quarterbacks because in play against Cincinnati. 
I, I think I'll go back. I think it's a miracle that the production that they were at. But I think people look at it too easily and go, well, that was because of Joe Flacco. In part, yes. I think we're missing a little part of this. But 216-474-0092. Because Joe Flacco is not likely to be the Browns' starting quarterback next year. Are you worried or are you concerned or are you intrigued whether David Njoku can duplicate his success from this year? Because I think what people have missed on why Joe Flacco played as well as he did and was able to step in, I think what they've missed the most is that this was the perfect scenario, the perfect situation for Joe Flacco. It was a team that needed leadership-wise a, 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 a step up because they had been juggling P.J. Walker and DTR, two guys that I don't think had confidence in the locker room. I also think they benefited, he benefited from walking into the perfect system for Joe Flacco. If you were, if you were drawing, whether he was 39 years old or 29 years old, if you were walking into, I got to design the perfect thing to get the best version and the best iteration of Joe Flacco, you would have him under center. You would have him in front of a strong uh, interior offensive line. You would have him with multiple weapons and you would have him in a system that, that focuses heavily on the play action. And that's with a strong play caller. That's exactly what Joe Flacco had. And I think people have have not maybe paid attention enough to that's not who Joe was. The guy that Joe was in the final six games, or sorry, his five games plus the playoff game, he wasn't the same guy as he was in New York. Why? Because he didn't have those same things. And so it's been funny to see, and I'm not saying JP or Andy Baskin are saying this, but it's been funny to see people say, well, I mean, you just need more weapons for Deshaun and you need to get better around Deshaun, I think the Joe Flacco thing proved if you've got a quarterback that fits your offense, that is healthy, that doesn't have to run for his life, I think you're going I think you've got the weapons you need. I I like I get it. Elijah Moore didn't have twelve hundred yards this year. He was lost for the first half of the season. That's about usage. When they just let the guy play wide receiver, he was consistently getting open. When they just let Amari Cooper just be Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper's really good. So I don't I'm not concerned about David Njoku duplicating his success. Because guys, I think he's really good. I think I think the mission is if you keep Deshaun healthy and for the first time in his time in Cleveland, build an offense around Deshaun. I think I think David Njoku can have just as good a success. Like, to me, chemistry isn't just the two guys like each other and like, you know, oh, I like the way he throws that ball. Yeah, I bet you that's some of it. Do you know what I think the biggest thing is? Is everybody in lockstep and does in this, what you're asking everybody to do fit what they do? I think you've been trying to force Deshaun Watson into a, a square peg into a round hole here. And I think I think it is it has held back Deshaun to some level. Whether that's scheduled throws, whether that's you know the the scripting at the beginning, whether it's just more of a condensed field that you're asking him to play in with more bunch concepts and big lineups, whether it's that or just the re- I don't say refusal, but the the reticence to go to f- to a full spread offense. I think if you go to a full spread offense that is fully conformed to the skills of Deshaun Watson, I think Amari Cooper is going to have 1,200 yards again. I think David Njoku is going to have another 900 yard performance. Joe Flacco's success here in the perfect situation for Joe proved those guys, their success is predicated on who's throwing them the ball. 
But that doesn't mean that their success was predicated on some mythological chemistry or some perfect happenstance that can't be recreated with Deshaun Watson. 